around the world. The Spirit is moving and a voice is being heard. Welcome to The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford. You can write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. We'll give you that address again at the close of today's broadcast. But here now is David Langford. Hello, friends. David Langford here. We'd like to welcome you to The Voice of Evangelism International Ministries. Today is Monday, August the 9th, 2021. We welcome you to this edition of our weekly radio program. And as always, we trust and we pray that God's goodness and God's grace is filling your heart and your life exponentially. I do want to make mention of our upcoming revival meeting at Heritage USA, Fort Mill, South Carolina, September the 30th through October the 3rd. Again, that's Heritage USA, Fort Mill, South Carolina, September the 30th through October the 3rd. The schedule is up on the website. We'll be opening up Friday morning at 9 a.m., and I will open up the service. We have Brother Russ Dizdar, Brother Jimmy D. Smith, Brother Paul Jacobs, and uh, another speaker yet to be determined. But I pray that you'll make yourself available and come and participate in this gathering. We need the touch of God in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit of God to fill our hearts. And there's something about a solemn assembly and gathering together in the power and in the Spirit of Christ. I hope you will come, participate, and be a part of this. This is not going to be a conference. I've told the brethren to come and minister whatever the Spirit of God has laid upon their hearts. There are multiple needs and gatherings. People have different needs in their lives. And I want the Holy Spirit of God to touch your heart and to touch your life. You know, the other day as I was praying, I was thinking about all of us. I was thinking about all of the Christians, all of the church, the body of Christ. And whether we realize it or not, Satan has been able to paralyze the church as we presently know it. What do I mean by that? Satan has paralyzed the church through two avenues, through two separate veins, two separate methods. The first method is the pre-tribulation rapture, believing emphatically the Lord could come before I finish this program. So there's a loss and a, and, and a lack of, of reaching out and trying to win sinners to Christ. The church is to be the salt and the light in the earth. Christian laymen, they need to be involved in government and in politics. Now, I know that's controversial. I know people won't say anything from the pulpit about politics because, well, people in there that claim to be Christians might be a Democrat. Well, let me just clear that up for you right off the bat. If you're a Democrat, full-blown Democrat, don't tell me you're a Christian. How do you vote for abortion, murdering, slaughtering children, same-sex marriage, gay rights, all of these sinful, wicked things? Don't say you're a Christian and cast your lot with Sodom and Gomorrah. Don't do that. 
but yet preachers won't say anything because, well, when you bring politics into the church, you have issues. <laughs> Folks, we have issues right now that beg description, and we're in the rotten, ruinous mess we're in because we've been taught, get out of politics, let, let them have it. Well, that's, that's a lack of wisdom. So number one, people say, I'm going to be raptured any minute, so there's no impetus to work, no impetus to pray, no impetus to seek God, no impetus to change what's going on in our nation. If every parent, when I was a little boy, in 1960, what, 62, 63, when Madeline uh, O'Hare, Madeline Murray O'Hare, when she got prayer out of school, if every parent would have said, I'm not sending my child back to school until you put prayer back into it, church didn't say a word. Church didn't say a word. Now, I was a little boy. There may have been some that said something, but the, but the majority just went on. And then and a decade later, legalized abortion. Number two, here's the other avenue Here's the other vein wherein Satan keeps us paralyzed. You have all of these fear mongers who are running around telling you this is the end, termination. The end is going to happen tomorrow. I've heard that. I've heard that. The end is tomorrow. That's not true. Folks, it's been 20 years next month. 20 years since 9-11, two full decades, two, 20 years have passed. Now, let me say this, because I'm an honest guy. You, you, you will never meet anybody more honest and transparent than myself. I remember when I saw the second building go down, I was watching television. And I said to the person I was with at that time, I said, you won't recognize America in six months. I don't believe you'll recognize America in six months. Do you think I was wrong? Sure, I was wrong. Admittedly, I was wrong. Because Satan's empire is all about manipulation through deception, through deception, through duplicitous acts and deeds, and that's how he does it. Looking back, that was a fallacy and a false statement I made because they opened up the spigot and they began to pump out money. And they've been doing it ever since then, ever since then. And we, we, we keep sitting waiting for the rapture to take place or termination. Neither one's going to happen in what we think. Listen, World War I, the Great Depression, World War II, uh, the Korean War, uh, the Vietnam War, uh, 91, the Gulf War, uh, Afghanistan, 9-11, uh, 2001, the, the debacle in 2008 and 9, and now the one we've just come through or still in. My point is the devil is distracting us way over to this side, way over to the other side, and the church has lost its vision to be the salt and the light in the earth and to win souls. You don't even hear preachers making appeals for souls. 
You don't hear preachers preaching repentance that men must be born again. You don't even hear the phrase born again or you must be saved. You must be redeemed. You must be cleansed. You must be washed in the blood of the Lamb. You don't even hear those terms anymore. My God, the the, the early church, when I say early church, I'm not talking about the book of Acts. I'm talking about Wesley and Whitehead and all of these great, great men of God. They preached repentance, a heaven to gain, a hell to shun. You don't hear anything about that anymore. It's like some kind of false utopia. Then when somebody like me preaches hellfire and brimstone, that's what they call me. He's hellfire and brimstone. Don't listen to him. Get in the prayer closet. Talk to God. He'll give you a vision. Proverbs 29, 18 says, Where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there is no vision, the people perish. So we have one vision of, I'm going to be raptured any minute, and the other vision is, it's going to end tomorrow. Why can't we get in the middle of the road and live a godly, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled life and do what he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel? The gospel is to save souls. They don't care. See, the devil keeps us paralyzed. He keeps us in neutral, whether you believe one thing or the other, whether you're going to be raptured out tomorrow, and I'll tell you, today is August the 9th, I promise you, you will hear me on radio a year from now. There are so many things that are taking place, and they're nothing but distractions. Then you have the other faction. We're all going to be, you know, extinct, terminated, whatever the case might be tomorrow. Yet things just keep on rolling along. And I know what the Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Knowing this, that there shall come scoffers in the last days, say, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I think I said 2 Peter 2, 3. It's 2 Peter 3, 3. 2 Peter 3, verses 3 and 4. Knowing this first, that there shall come scoffers in the last day, saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. I'm not saying he's not coming. He is coming. But see, if you look at the signs of the time, and one of the signs, and I said this last week, is homosexuality. It is exploding. It is exploding in this nation. It is exploding around the world. That's one of the signs of the coming of the Lord. And that means you're going to see more lawlessness because that's, a, that's lawlessness against nature itself. Sexual perversion is lawlessness against God. And believe you me, Satan is a master at creating these scenarios. And again, let me say this. Don't get caught up in we're going to be raptured tomorrow so there's nothing to do. And don't be caught up with the thought, well, it's all going to end tomorrow. It's all going to end tomorrow. Coming this, uh, this October, I, I made a statement years ago. Um, three years ago this October, now listen to me. You can go find the program. 
You can go find the program. I said on October the 1st, 2018, we would be here October the 1st, 2021. You can go find that program. Go back and listen to the program on October the 1st, October the 1st, 2018. And I said we would be here October the 1st, 2021. We're less than two months. We're, we're basically six weeks from that happening. And you, you say, how can you say that? How can you be so certitude? Because I understand the Bible. God does not do things on a whim or a caprice. God is not thoughtless. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his Son. Jesus did not come at just any time. And because he did not come at just any time, he's not going to return at just any time. He's going to return at a divine appointed time. And anybody that tells you he could come any minute, that's a fallacy. But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So when the fullness of time was come, and by the way, from the time the prophecy was given in Genesis 3.15, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. It took 4,000 years for that prophecy to come to fruition. And when the fullness of time was come, relative to Genesis 3 and 15, God sent his son. Jesus Christ will not come again until we've reached another fullness of time. When that time has been reached, Jesus will return, and it will be in the fall of the year, Feast of Trumpets and Feast of Tabernacles. I, I'm trying to get you to be pragmatic and studious in the Scriptures. You just believe what somebody throws off their head, and, and I did it. I, I, I preached it. I'm not going to sit here and lie. I preached it because I was taught it. But then I begin to search the scriptures. I begin to pursue and chase God, and God changed so much in my life because I was a purveyor of tradition. The pre-tribulation rapture is a tradition. It's only about 150 years of age. Jesus never once in Matthew 24 alluded to a pre-trib coming. No, he didn't. He says immediately after the tribulation of those days, then shall appear the sign of the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew 24, 29. Jesus said that. I didn't. He said, I'm coming after the tribulation of those days. Well, God's not appointed us under wrath. That's so true. But the great tribulation has nothing to do with the wrath of God. The great tribulation is the wrath of Satan. And so, as I was praying the last several weeks, I just feel like the Lord was impressing upon me. You got two camps, two distinct camps. One says the Lord could come any minute. So you're impotent. You're powerless to do anything for the kingdom of God. The other camp says, termination, extinction, 
going to be over with tomorrow. Yet time just rolls on. I've told you and I'll say it again. I've conceded I may die before the Lord returns. Do I know that for certain? No, I don't. I don't know the time of my death. I don't know the coming of the Lord. I do know the coming of the Lord will be in the fall of the year. What year I cannot say. I cannot declare. And folks, we've had a plethora of prophecies given that, that, that were just false prophecies. They, they were just false. And Jesus said, many false prophecies prophets shall rise and shall deceive many in Matthew 24, 11. We've got to get back into the scriptures, the word of the living God. If we don't, we're going to fall into error. If we don't, we're going to fall into greater and greater error. I was listening to a gentleman on the television the other day, and, 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 and I thought, Man, you guys, you, you, you won't study, you won't listen. He was talking about 2 uh, Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, where Paul said, And now you know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Then shall that wicked be revealed. He said that he there is either the Holy Spirit or the church. And I'm thinking, it's neither. It's Michael the archangel. How did I derive at that? Daniel 10, 21, but I will show thee that which is noted in the scripture of truth, and there is none that holdeth or withholdeth with me in these things, but Michael, your prince, he's the restrainer. Gabriel tells Daniel, Michael's the restrainer. He's fighting for Israel. I'm like, the reason people won't listen to you is because if they, if they have to admit you are right, that means they were wrong, and they're too proud to admit they were wrong. I'm not too proud to say I was wrong about the pre-trib rapture. Now, just like that in Daniel 10, 21, and 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, I didn't know those truths. But my pursuit of God led me to those truths. Led me to those truths. But I don't I don't know. I just it's it's like this paralysis has negated the, the desire to seek God for deeper things, deeper things of God. I want to know the deeper things of God. Amen. I left off last week in uh, Romans chapter 6, verse 12, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. And I got on to the subject of lust, James 1 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And I, and I was closing last week on elaborating profusely on the word conceived. That word conceived in the Greek means to seize, to arrest, or to capture something. And uh, I, 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 I used David as an analogy when he committed adultery with Bathsheba. You see, he committed a, an act of sin through the lust of his own heart when he viewed her 
over the balcony bathing. Lust hath conceived. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. So this conception in his heart, he took Bathsheba, physically committed adultery. Then she conceived something in the natural. She then conceived something in the natural, which was a child. Because sin conceived, it started a perpetual train wreck in David's life. And I alluded to you last week how Absalom uh, killed Amnon. Amnon raped his sister Tamar. Ahithophel gave Absalom bad advice, bad counsel. Ahithophel was one of David's greatest counselors. But he turned on David because Bathsheba was his granddaughter. Yeah, this is this, this is now I understood in my study why Ahithophel did what he did. He wanted to get even with David. He he wanted to, to he wanted to correct the right or the wrong. He wanted to correct what David had done, and he wanted in, the, in a sense to punish David. So he tries to give Absalom advice in overthrowing the Davidic kingdom. And even Absalom slept with David's concubines on the roof of his house. I mean, this, this thing was very sordid. This thing was very evil, very, very, very evil. That's what happens when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. Now we have a, a, a volcano of sin, an eruption of sin, and it doesn't stop. After Ahithophel gives Absalom bad counsel, bad advice, he realizes he's turned on God's chosen, God's anointed, meaning David, he goes home, the Bible said, he gets his house in order, and then he hangs himself. Uh, you know the story goes on, Absalom gets his hair caught in a tree, and Joab kills Absalom. I mean, it, it is so sad and so tragic. And what I want you to understand is, when you dabble in sin, you dabble in sin, there's going to ultimately become some measure, some type of conception and when that is conceived, whatever it is, you're going to have to pay for what you've sown. Now, I, I know you don't hear this kind of preaching because it's all about blessing, 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 blessing. But that's not the case. David sowed to the flesh, and he did what the Bible said. He reaped to the flesh. See, he... He reaped, he, he reaped terribly, terribly, David reaped. And, 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 and the devil wants people to believe you can live anyway, you can do anything, whatever you want to do, and there are no repercussions. Folks, there are always repercussions relative to committing acts and deeds and works of sin. There are repercussions, and don't think you can avoid them. Don't think you can sin and there be no consequences. Don't believe that. I know the devil will make you think, well, I can do anything I want to, and, and I'll, if I get away with it, there's no repercussion. Galatians 6 and 7 says, be not deceived. God is not mocked. God's not talking about just rank sinners. He's talking to Christians. 
Don't think you can go back in sin and private sin and and and, and sin that you think is 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 uh, uh, hidden and nobody knows anything about it. He said, "Be not deceived. God is not going to be mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption." All of these after effects in David's life was utter corruption, utter corruption. And that's what Paul said, this is what's going to happen. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. I was thinking about the Apostle Paul as I'm the third time rereading the book of Acts. I mean, Paul was beaten five times that we, we have a record there in 2 Corinthians 11. He says five times. Stoned, shipwrecked, peril of, of dangers, or, or peril of robbers, countrymen, false brethren, et cetera, et cetera. So just, just a litany of all of this. And as I was rereading the book of Acts, I, I was observing Paul never said, I don't deserve this. I, I don't deserve this hardship. Five times I've been beat with 40 stripes, save one. 195 stripes on my back. Why in God's name do I deserve that? And what I noticed was you, you don't see the murmuring, the grumbling, the complaining. 2 Corinthians 11 and 24, of the Jews five times, five times received I 40 stripes, saved one. 40 times five is 200, knock off five is 195 stripes. We know of 195 whipping blows and stripes on his back. I believe it's Acts 14, don't hold me to that. They stone him. They drag his corpse out of the city. He's, he's laying there. They perceive he's dead. They, they perceive Paul's dead. All of a sudden, Paul comes to. He just, he just wakes up. Some people believe that's when he had the vision, whether he said in the body or out of the body. He said, I cannot tell. Acts 14. Let me read that to you right quickly. Acts 14, verse 18, and with these things, Scarce restrained they the people that they had not done sacrifice unto them. Now, here in Acts 14, they're about to call, they're calling Barnabas, Jupiter, Paul, Mercury. They're saying these men are gods. One minute they're calling them gods, the next minute they're stoning. Man can be so fickled. Acts 14, verse 19. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead, drug him out of the city, and left him laying there. Thought he was dead. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, they're sitting there making funeral arrangements. I said they're standing there making funeral arrangements. Howbeit, as the disciples stood round about him, they're looking on him. Poor old Paul. What a conversion he had in his life. Now they've stoned him. Now they've killed him. Now he's dead. Now we've got to make funeral arrangements. As they stood around him, he rose up 
came into the city, and the next day he departed with Barnabas to Derby. Why am I saying all of this? We don't read where Paul murmured, grumbled, bickered, and complained. And I was studying on this within my own mind, my own spirit, my own soul. Why? Now, when we're going through bad times, we all say, I don't deserve this. Or we say things like children say, this is not fair, this is not right. We have no record of Paul opening his mouth. We have no record of Joseph ever murmuring, bickering, complaining, and grumbling about his life, how, how he was so mistreated, so ill-treated. They recognized God's hand is on my life. I'm suffering because I'm a child of God. And no doubt Paul thought within himself, man, I have done so much to try to uproot the true church of the living God, and destroy it. I sought to destroy the very work of Christ, the very act of redemption. I have tried to destroy it. I stood there and I held the garments of those who stoned Stephen. I was, the Bible says hailing, H-A-L-I-N-G, means to drag them, dragging them to prison. He had letters of authority to everyone that believed in the way, the way of Jesus Christ, to destroy them. Thus he's able to say in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 30, If I must needs glory, I will glory in the things which concern mine infirmities. 2 Timothy 2, 9, Wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, but the word of God is not bound. I look at that as Paul saying, I am justly, I am justly suffering. I'm suffering as an evildoer. One time he was an evildoer. Wherein he said, I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even unto bonds, shackles, chains, fetters, imprisonment. But he said, you'll not bind God's word. You may bind me and put me in prison. My point is, he endured so much. And somehow I think in his mind, he thought, and justly so, rightfully so, because I did so much to hurt the church, the body of Christ. I did everything I could to uproot the church, to destroy the church in its infancy. I was one of those trying to slay and destroy the church, the body of Christ. Me. And then I think about the visitation of Ananias and, and what God said to Ananias in Acts 9 and 16 in Paul's conversion. In Acts 9, 16, Jesus says to Ananias, for I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Verse 15 says, Jesus says to Ananias, he is a chosen vessel unto me. He's a chosen, ordained vessel of honor for me. That was God's decision. That was God's choice. You know, conversion is an awesome thing. I said conversion is an awesome thing. If you, if you would not believe me, who I was 
40, 43 years ago. You, you wouldn't believe the person I was. If you, if you could compare the person I was 43 years ago to the person I am today, you'd say, I don't believe that. That's, that's got to be another person, an entirely different person. But that's the power of conversion. That's the power of the blood of the Lamb. Praise God. The power of the blood of the Lamb. That blood cleanses. That blood removes, eradicates all sin. Just because you're saved, you're not perfect. I'm far from perfect, but I'm washed. I'm washed in that red royal crimson blood of the Lamb of God. He washed me. He cleansed me of my sins. He cleansed me of my iniquities. And just like Paul, he was trying to destroy the church. Then he becomes a purveyor of the church, the work of Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the Redeemer. He is the Holy One of Israel. The power of conversion. You see, you can tell when people truly, genuinely get saved. There's a change. And, and, and listen, I had a lot of stuff I had to suffer early on because I had sown so much bad stuff. Listen, that's why the Bible says don't be deceived. I was a Christian, a spirit-filled believer, a young man, a young child. But I got away from it and got into the dregs, the very dregs of sin. And, and you see, Satan is out to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's why people don't understand uh, the Democratic Party. It's not Democrats. They're socialists. They're, they're fascists. They're, they're communists. They're Marxists. See, all of those things I just named off, they're all those isms, they kill, they steal, and they destroy. They kill, they steal, and they destroy. That's how you know it's of the devil, trying to steal, kill, destroy America. We've got to rise up. We've got to rise up. I don't mean in rebellion. We've got to rise up as being the salt and the light in the earth and give ourselves wholly to Christ. And seek the face of God. Let me get back on the subject of David. Sin. Sin, when it is finished, James said, it bringeth forth death. Sin is always evil. Sin is selfish. And sin will ultimately, eventually will produce death. Let me quote it again, James 1, 13 through 15. Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust. And when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. This is what's going to happen. This, this is why America is in a death spiral because we're sinning more and more and more and more and more. All the time we're sinning more. And yet preachers won't say one word about sin. We, we, we've got to press in. We've got to press in. Whether stealing, lying, cheating, drunkenness, or adultery, 
whatever is conceived or captured in sin, it must be dealt with following its conception. This is why you don't want to ever allow it to come to conception. See, it's one thing to be tempted, but it's another to yield to the temptation and allow that temptation to be exercised through your life. You know, people will always tell you, boy, had I known that, I would have never done that. Had I known this, I would have never said that. Had I known this, I would have never gone there. I would have never done those things. Why? Because you did not realize the gravity of the element that you are going to have to deal with after that element has been conceived. Once it is conceived, it must be dealt with. And just like in, 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 in America, a woman conceives, doesn't want the child. She says, how am I going to deal with it? I'll just slaughter it. That's what I'll do. I'll slaughter it. I'll slaughter the child in the womb. And I'll go on merrily, merrily in my life. Well, there's got to be, that's got to be dealt with. Let me, let me break this down a little bit further. Those, those of you listening, you resist the temptation of adultery. If you resist and refrain from committing the act of adultery, you will never have to deal with the end results concerning that which is conceived and concerning that act of sin. You'll never have to deal with it. Why? Because you didn't do it. If you never brought it to fruition, you don't have to deal with it. Once the sin of adultery is conceived, now listen to me closely, please. And I'm just, this is just how I feel led of the Holy Spirit to say this. Once the sin of adultery is conceived, it will produce such things as Divorce, broken homes, terribly scarred emotionally, alcohol, drug abuse, coupled with addictions, dysfunctional, scarred children, having to divide personal property such as real estate, even the possible loss of one's career and business and job, and even the potential of suicide. You see, once the sin is exposed, the guilt, the shame, the condemnation, and now the bitterness that is wreaked in a relationship, now it becomes so detrimental and so divisive, so divisive and so tempestuous and so tumultuous Many a person has been killed over adultery. A many person has committed suicide because of adultery. You know, I, I never know what's going to happen to me. I was in a place of business, went to a, 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 an owner of a, of a particular business. The guy opened up in three minutes and shared his life. The owner did. This is just a few few weeks back. His wife committed adultery on him eight and a half years ago, he said. 
I left there so burdened for that man because I saw he, 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 he's on medication, you know, psychotropic drugs. He said, I thought marriage was for a lifetime. I mean, he went on and on. He said, I thought it was going to be like my, my, my parents. And he had a photo there in his office of his parents and all the kids and grandkids around them. And he said, that's, that's what I thought I had. But he said, my wife got involved with my best friend who was a highway patrolman, et cetera, et cetera. And he said, eight and a half years ago to this day, something to that effect. And I thought, my God, eight and a half years, he, he can't get over it. Now, I'm certain it's not easy to get over. I, I, I'm certain it's, it's, I don't know how to relate to that or, or, or how to deal with that because I've never been in that situation. But this man, younger than me, in his early 50s, I thought when I left there, this guy is absolutely devastated to no end. I can't get him off of my mind. And I suppose the reason I can't get him off of my mind is how he, eight and a half years later, is still vexed and tore up by this. I'm talking to somebody today. I'm speaking to somebody today. The Holy Ghost is trying to say something to somebody today. I don't know who you are. I said, I don't know who you are, but you better stop it. You better quit it. You better get out of it now. You're not going to believe the devastation you're about to reap. The havoc that you're about to go through, you got to get out of sin. Whoever you are, get out of sin. Stop it. Ask Jesus to help you to, 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 to be delivered from this addiction, this bondage, because you don't see the devastation, the, the tsunami of devastation that is coming your way. You don't see it. And Satan's got you in a euphoric state. He's got you in a state. He's got you in a place. You, you think this is heaven. You, the sinful, degraded, debased state you're in, you think it's heaven on earth. It'll be hell before long. You mark my words. I don't know who you are, how many I'm talking to. I just know the Holy Ghost is trying to drive an adamant point home today in this message. I didn't intend to come back and pick this up from last Tuesday, but I'm trying to get you to grasp and understand the gravity of what is conceived. You think, well, it, it won't be too bad if I get caught. <laughs> After that gentleman unloaded on me for an hour, I just sat there. I, I didn't say three words. I thought, my God, the hurt, the, the, the hurt, the, the adjective to describe the hurt would be horror, horror, the pain, the pain. See, that's the emotional pain. That's, that's the emotional pain, and that is destroying him. He talked about going to the doctor and, and this part of his brain and that part of his brain. And I'm thinking, sin has done all of this. Sin has, has eviscerated you emotionally. Now you're almost a dysfunctional character. And the scarring is indelible. The scarring is so profuse. Eight and a half years, almost a decade 
and I could see it was just as fresh eight and a half years later as it was when it first happened or he first found out about it or whatever. What I've just described to you, when that type of sin, that's just, that's just one sin, the sin of adultery, divorce, the broken homes, the terribly eviscerated and scarred emotions, alcohol, drug abuse, the other addictions, dysfunctionality, scarred children, having to divide personal property, homes, businesses, automobiles, money, real estate, the loss of one's job, the loss of one's career. I, I know of another situation. Lady, branch manager of a bank, got involved with a funeral home director, and the bank fired her. I could, I could sit here and tell you things. Why? Why? I reckon because I have an awareness of sin. You're not going to hear stuff like this on television or radio. You're not, you're not going to hear people address reality. My God, these preachers are trying to keep you in a state of slumber, in a state of sleepiness. Ephesians 5 and 14 says, Wherefore he said, Awake thou that sleepest and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee life. He'll give thee life. He'll give thee light. We, 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 we don't realize. We, we don't realize what's the damage that's being done. The things I have described are just a few of the terrible works of flesh. But let me say this. If you never commit adultery, you'll never have to deal with any of those things I just mentioned. You'll never have to deal with it. I said you will never have to deal with it. You see, all of that train wreck and refuse and garbage that I just elaborated on, Divorce, broken homes, scarred children, scarred emotions, eviscerated emotions, alcohol, drug addiction, dividing personal property, real estate, loss of one's business, loss of one's career, even the thought of suicide, and even some go as far as to commit the act of suicide. That can never, ever, ever happen in your life if you resist the temptation of adultery. It can't happen. But oh, if it does happen, just like with David, folks, it was even murder. David had Uriah murdered. Absalom murdered Amnon. I'm, I'm telling you, excuse me, not Amnon, Adonijah. I said Amnon a while ago, Adonijah. None of this would have to be dealt with. But you commit that sin. You don't, you don't realize the gravity. Remember, we're talking from Romans 6 and 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. If that sin gets in there, it's going to make an appeal to you to do it again. You know, I, I pray Psalms 119, 133. I pray that prayer all the time. Order my steps in thy word. Let no iniquity have dominion over me. 
God don't ever suffer any sin to have lordship, authority, or dominion over my life. I, I see people who are drug addicts. That drug has seized their lives. You see, something has been conceived. What was conceived? The addiction was conceived. Now they are an addict. And Jesus is the only answer. You see, here in Romans 6 and 12, the admonition is a negative one. That's known as a, a dehortation. You've heard of exhortation? The negative admonition is dehortation. It means to advise against doing something. I'm advising you don't go there. I'm advising you stop it. I'm advising you now turn and go the other way. This is an admonition. It is a negative admonition. It is known as a, a dehortation, not exhortation, but dehortation. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body that ye should obey it. You let that sin get into your life, you will obey it. You let an addiction get in your life, you will serve the addiction. You will put the money down on the counter for the liquor bottle. You're serving that addiction. You work, you earn wages. You have to take the money you have earned now to serve the addiction. You become a slave to it. And I'm telling you today, God is talking to somebody. He's talking to a lot of people. Why? He wants to save you. I said he wants to save you today because he doesn't want you lost. And if you don't turn from your sins, if you don't repent of your sins, you're, you're going to fall into this snare. You're going to fall into this trap. And that's where the devil wants you. He, he wants you to fall into the trap. He wants to destroy you in some capacity. It, it, listen, it doesn't matter how he does it. It doesn't matter how he does it. I said it doesn't matter how the devil does it. He just wants to do it. Do you hear me? Satan just wants to destroy your life. He wants to destroy your life. What a thief. What a low-lying thief Satan is today to those. And believe you me, he wants to hurt you. He wants to harm you. I said he wants to hurt you. He wants to harm you. I want to pray for you. Father, in the holy, the precious name of your Son, Jesus, I sense absolute conviction in the program today as you're trying to turn sinners away from their sin and turn them to the cross of Calvary. The cross, the cross, where I first saw the light and the burdens of my heart were rolled away. Father, in the name of your Son, Jesus, I pray for a divine Holy Ghost intervention 
in the hearts and lives of everyone listening to the program today. This is an unusual day. This, this is a divine visitation. This is a divine visitation, and this is a divine invitation for those who need a touch. The woman that had the issue of blood, she said, if I may but touch the hem of his garment, she said, I'll, I'll be made whole. There's something about touching Jesus, and that's all that matters. Father, I am humbled that in our vile, sinful, wicked, debased state, you're not afraid to touch us. Though we're covered with the leprosy of sin, though we are covered with the leprosy of sin, you are not afraid to touch us. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You're not afraid to touch the sinner. You're not afraid to touch the wicked. You're not afraid to touch the backslider because you have all power over sin and Satan to extinguish that leprosy of sin and make us whole again by thy shed blood. I'm humbled today by your visitation. I'm humbled today by the presence of God. Thank you for your touch. Thank you for the ministry of the Holy Ghost of God that can come. Though something has been conceived in our lives, though something has been birthed in our lives, you can take it away through thy precious, precious holy blood. Father God, I pray for those who are listening Wherever they are, whatever the sin, whatever the sin might be, cleanse them of that sin. Though their sins be red like crimson, you, should, you said they shall be white as snow. Eradicate the leprosy of sin. Make them whole through thy shed blood. Father God, Use the voice of evangelism to win lost souls. Use this ministry, O oh God, and touch it with fresh anointing. Touch me to speak with great conviction, but let it be seasoned with great compassion for the lost, for the destitute, the, the dying, those that are adrift on the sea of life without divine intervention they'll be lost. Holy Spirit, smite. Continue to smite the hearts of men and women, young people that are listening, Lord. Smite their hearts with conviction that they'll want to get right. They'll want to repent. They'll want to come back and kneel at the foot of the cross that they might receive their sight. Father, take this ministry and use it. Take this message on sin magnify this message regarding sin that people will be changed they will come to the saving grace and the knowledge of your son Jesus thank you today for the Holy Ghost that's 
willing to come into the studio and just brood over this ministry and this message and this program, Father. Thank you for the grace of God. Thank you for the saving grace of your Son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hearts that you're touching. Thank you for those that are, are being moved. Thank you for those that have felt the presence of God and they are responding to the presence of God and confessing and repenting of their sins. Thank you, Father, for all that you're doing today in the name of your Son, Jesus, the Lord's Christ. Let me say today that God is real. Don't ever lessen don't ever question the reality of God. The Holy Spirit of God is so real, and God wants to touch your heart and touch your life today. I pray the Holy Spirit has touched you. I pray the grace of God has come into your heart. Turn. Turn from your wicked ways. Isaiah 55, 6. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I have felt the nearness and the presence of God in this program today. May God's grace forever abound in your heart, forever abound in your life. If God has touched your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. Drop us a note, drop us an email. Say, Pastor, Monday's program, August the 9th, was a well of salvation and a refreshing unto my soul. If God's touched you, give a testimony of the greatness, the goodness, the majesty, the redemptive power of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. God bless you. I'll see you tomorrow. We're going to pick it up in verse 13. I'll see you tomorrow in the Lord. The Voice of Evangelism with David Langford is brought to you by the faithful listeners and supporters throughout America. If you're looking for an uncompromising message, we invite you to tune in each week to The Voice of Evangelism. For more information, write to The Voice of Evangelism at P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020. That's P.O. Box 502, Kayser, North Carolina, 28020.